This is Line Dance Podcast. I'm Christopher Gonzalez. Hello and welcome back to Line Dance Podcast on Move Radio. With Christopher Gonzalez and... Megan Barcelia. We are continuing our series on the three elements of charisma. We have already completed our discussions of the first two. The first one being presence, and the second one, power. This next one is warmth. And we'll be discussing how this relates to line dance. The article is written by Brett and Kate McKay for The Art of Manliness. And here we go with warmth. For the last few weeks, we've been talking about the three components of personal charisma. First, we explored the importance of presence, giving people your full attention. Then we covered power, demonstrating confidence that you can affect the world around you. Today, we will discuss the last element of magnetism, warmth. When you emanate warmth, people see you as being approachable, caring, and empathetic. When they're around, you feel comfortable and at ease. Warmth fulfills the basic human need to be understood, acknowledged, and taken care of, a need rooted in our very being all the way from childhood. Warmth is your mom handing you a cup of hot chocolate as you come inside from playing in the snow, or smoothing your hair and giving you medicine as you lie sick in bed. Warmth is your dad pulling you into a bear hug when you show him the A-plus on your test. Even though we grow up, leave the nest, and try to be independent, deep down we all still want to feel cared for, accepted, at home. Just like power and presence, warmth is essential for balancing the other elements, and also cannot produce true magnetism on its own. A man with power but not warmth will come off as cold, arrogant, and aloof. A man with warmth but not power will be perceived as weak, eager to please, and desperate for approval. A drip. The real McCoy. Of all the elements of charisma, I think warmth is the hardest to fake. It's not too hard to convince people you're present with them, even when your mind is wandering a bit. Nor to act like a guy who's got it together when you're really still working towards that goal. But people are pretty good at sniffing out fake warmth. And in fact have a natural tendency to positively recoil when they think you're offering the counterfeit variety. Warmth backfires when people can tell you're offering it for one reason and one reason only. To get something from them. Hence our distaste for salesmen who lay the warmth on thick for the sake of trying to close the deal. It's not that you shouldn't want things from other people. Pretty much the whole point of charisma is to influence others to do something, whether that's getting them to buy a product, go on a date, or serve a cause with passion. Rather, it's simply that influencing them can't be your only motive. For warmth to come off as genuine, it must be rooted in something deeper than a purely selfish motive. It must spring from your own contentment with life, and a real empathy and curiosity about other people. A man of real warmth enjoys getting to know folks from all walks of life. He conveys the sense that even if he doesn't get from them what he was looking for, he'd still judge the interaction to have been worthwhile. A man of real warmth is one who feels that crossing paths with another person is never a true waste. To be truly effective in creating personal magnetism, the outward behaviors that communicate warmth to others must arise from that most powerful but ineffable quality, a genuinely good heart. Thus, the foundation for charismatic warmth 
begins at your core. Developing warmth within. There are two main ways to develop your inner warmth. Practice gratitude. A grateful heart is a happy heart. Studies have shown again and again that people who practice gratitude on a daily basis are happier and more optimistic than folks who don't. To cultivate your gratitude, make it a practice to write down what you're grateful for every day. Better yet, use the George Bailey technique. As you become a more grateful man, your ability to put your problems into perspective will grow, leading to a sense of relaxed contentment that radiates to other people and puts them at ease. Megan? I don't know what to say. <laughs> um, now, there's a lot of... This is probably going to be one of my favorite topics because I love making people feel welcome. I love making people feel special and feel, you know, appreciated. I know how important it is uh, to myself that I, I feel appreciated, that just my presence being somewhere is... Like, I didn't waste my time. I didn't, you know, I am appreciated there. People are glad to see me. I know the first time I walked into the social for Wine Country Line Dance, um, Sunny, who is just, you know, another one of the dancers there, uh, she came up to me and, you know, gave me a hug and started asking me a bunch of questions and just genuinely seemed interested in me and why I was there and what I was into and so grateful that I was there that I wanted to keep coming back. And that was my first impression of Wine Country Line Dance, which now I am proud to represent their bags and say that I'm a part of Wine Country Line Dance and try and help promote them. And that's because, you know, Every time I walk into that event, I feel like I'm coming home for the holidays. You know, you're so excited to see everyone and just this wonderful, warm, welcoming, fun environment that you just want to be a part of so badly. And you're just grateful that you get that chance to. Uh, so for me to then remember that that's my first that was my first impression now at certain places where I'm the host quote unquote such as like Hot Monk, Tradewinds, uh, Twin Oaks I try and make it a point to walk up to random people I've never seen before and just ask how their night's going have they been here before have they been dancing before when was the last time they came dancing and just make it known that they are noticed and it's a good thing they showed up and they chose to spend their time with us. Uh, as for practicing gratitude, I'm sure you're going to embellish more on this, but uh, I'm a big believer in putting out positive energy and trying to find at least one thing a day that you're grateful for, uh, whether it's something as simple as, you know, I had a cup of coffee this morning. And it was warm and delicious and it was the perfect blend of however I like to take my coffee uh, to something that, you know, someone did something for me. And so I'm very grateful for that. You know, I mean, it's all kinds of things. I've, I think I've done it so much of just being 
nice and grateful that I got to sleep in my own bed for the night. I've done it where it's, you know, I've gotten to share the dance floor with hundreds of people at an event. Uh, I mean, there's so many different things that you can be grateful for. And in my opinion, as good and as amazing as those big things are, finding those really, really small little things that are just typically overlooked uh, make it a whole lot easier in the long run to be a more positive person. In your experience, would you would you say that there are different flavors of gratitude as well? Like from, say, month to month, what are some <laughs> different ways that you could express your appreciation for the things in your life, whether it's things that you love or things that you feel lucky for, etc.? And what experience do you have with discovering these different flavors of gratitude? I knew you were going to bring this up. <laughs> um, <laughs> so last November, I had started. Unfortunately, for the last couple months, a lot of stuff has happened, and I have not kept up on this practice in the social media aspect anyways. Um, last November, I started posting a themed month base of daily gratitude. For instance, with November typically being a Thanksgiving in the United States, it was, you know, 30 days of what I'm thankful for. Um, I think December I ended up saying something about uh, 31 days of gifts. So things that like, I feel like I, I, it's a gift that I can do this or a gift that I was given or a gift that I can give somebody else. Um, I think January was something that made me happy for the happy new year. Uh, February was for love. Uh, I think uh, March was things that made me feel lucky. I don't remember what April was. Blessed, I think. Uh, yeah, there's just a lot of different ways that you can look at I guess a theme that you can focus on as to what makes you happy and grateful and just making it a point that you put it out there uh, I originally started this just for me back last November just because I wanted to be I wanted to be more positive in myself as well as I wanted there's so much stuff going on on your social media on a regular basis where people are complaining or arguing or disagreeing or posting all these really sad events that are going on in the world. And, Especially after last November. And uh, not to diminish anybody whatsoever, but I just felt like, you know, I was scrolling through a lot of stuff that I just didn't it was almost disheartening. And so I figured maybe, just maybe, if I posted one small thing to be grateful for or one positive thing out there that that would break up and someone would smile. And lo and behold, month after month, I had people join me in on it. And I made friends on Facebook um, and closer relationships on Facebook because people wanted to join in on the positive nature of it and you know like some of the responses I got were you know like they really it really did help them 
start to see things more positively and even when they were having a bad day although they acknowledge that yeah it was a rough day but here's all the good that happened too it really started to help people shift your perspective and it's one of those nice things that with just a little bit of practice you really can change how you see things and how you react and you kind of start to learn that your reaction is a choice and if you take that moment instead of being negative about something to turn it and being positive you know for instance uh, getting cut off in traffic or something like that, that's a very easy reaction to be negative about but if you know you just like let it go they're obviously in a hurry maybe they didn't see me maybe you know like they were focused on something else maybe something happened that you know distracted them And for whatever reason, you know, it just slipped their mind. It happens. You know, like letting that go allows you to be a less negative person and allows for less toxic energy towards yourself. Do you remember an episode of the Tim Ferriss podcast where they mentioned putting your hand over your heartbeat and like thanking your heart or something like that for beating? Do you remember? Do you remember hearing anything about that? It was like a Tony Robbins episode where he talks to Tim Ferriss. I do remember vaguely about that exercise. Um, it I don't remember so much about thanking your heart, just as you know, putting your hand over your heart and taking some slow breaths and really just focusing all the energy on that and just starting to realize that you know, like that's where you're at. You're alive. Your heart is beating. This is good things. You're breathing. You're healthy. And like slowly from there. Um, it went into more depth, but it was, it was definitely a interesting exercise at the time that, uh, you had had me listen to it, but I I wish I had more, um, recollection of the exact nature of it. Hmm. It looks like if you Google Tony Robbins emotional flood exercise, I think that might be the one... I guess the general idea is your body can't sustain both fear and gratitude at the same time. So if you're mad at somebody or um, you're afraid of something that might happen in the future, if you put your hand over your heart and you focus on something you're intensely grateful for and you just feel your heartbeat and you remind yourself that that heart is beating all the time, every day, and it's done that since you were born and it will continue to do that for the rest of your life, like pretty much by definition, (laughs) then whatever it was you were afraid of, while your body is flooded with all these loving, grateful feelings, it's not necessarily that you're forgetting about what you were afraid of or or mad about but if you try to think about it while you're full of all these positive feelings it won't carry the emotional charge that it did anymore and just by being so full of gratitude you can now think about that thing again whatever it was with a different feeling in your body if you're so mad that you can't solve the problem then the problem is just going to persist But if you are feeling some way in your body and then you try to think about it, you might be able to see a solution or you might be able to see a way to accept whatever the thing is that's happening 
and then that does solve the problem. And if it doesn't do it immediately, it at least starts you in training toward accepting whatever that thing is. Like, I remember one of the uh, the things I tested it out on because they said it's very powerful and it can heal all kinds of stuff. I thought, uh-huh, all right. So I thought about somebody that, in my mind, um, had, like, you know, lied and done these various things that had caused um, consequent emotional upsetness in, in my body and mind. And I tried to focus on my heartbeat and positive experiences that I had had with this person and how grateful I was just not thinking about the consequences or the context later, but just a moment of like early on how things were good. And then as I just really filled up with that thought, I allowed myself to start thinking further forward into the future to what happened afterwards and it didn't have the emotional sting as much. I was just able to to think about it and be like, all right, I accept that, that is what happened. It does not take away from what happened before. What happened before is always what happened before. Maybe there were things I didn't know about, but I still had the experience that I did, and at the time, it was a good one. So by practicing that, and having just the gratitude as my priority, all the other, other things afterward kind of fade out and make me a more um, make me able to have a more balanced reaction to what would have been a more triggering thought before I started this exercise. Up next, develop your empathy. Teddy Roosevelt called empathy fellow feeling and argued that it was the most important factor for a healthy political and social life. It's also an important factor in developing charismatic warmth. People want to feel understood, and empathy is what allows us to put ourselves in their shoes and feel what they feel. I'll admit that developing empathy isn't easy. You witness foreheads slapping rudeness in public, or read the semi-literate vitriol spewed in comments on YouTube, and it's easy to grow pretty cynical about the state of the human race. Here are some ways to soften that cynicism and develop greater empathy for your fellow humans. Think of other people as your brothers and sisters or fellow line dancers. <laughs> this perspective may be rooted in a religious belief that says we're all created by the same God or in science that says we came from one place in Africa and are even made of the same stardust. Either way, we're all cosmically connected. Sounds a little cheesy, maybe, but thinking that we're all family members making the same hard journey together has often helped me be more compassionate when I was feeling anything but. I'm going to clarify a little bit. This doesn't have to be your blood brothers and sisters, either. It, it's because uh, family can be a tricky bit to begin with. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yes... I guess the thinking of them as your brothers and sisters certainly can help. I tend to try and do it more along the lines of what if it was me hmm. and f actually like thinking of it in a perspective like if I was given this situation, if something happened, you know, what are some of the reasons why I would have made that choice? And once I start thinking about like why I would have made that choice... 
I start to afford afford people a little bit more leniency, which then allows me um, a little less negative energy. Uh, and it allows me to kind of understand why they may have chosen to say something or do something. Um, Because I know, like, you know, for instance, like, just going back to cutting someone off in traffic, accidents happen. Sometimes you're distracted and you're not fully paying attention or you really didn't, you know, you didn't take that extra second or two to look over your shoulder and that's why you didn't see that person. And, you know, you feel bad about it and, you know, you hope that, you know, like, you didn't cause them too much stress or anything like that because it was an accident. You didn't do it maliciously. So for to be the other way and me be the one cut cut off in traffic you know I tend to be like okay (laughs) that was intense but you know whatever the moments pass let it go Uh, as for in line dance relation I mean people are so wonderful and warm and welcoming in general that I I don't think like it's a, a major issue at our events or anything but when you're looking, say, for instance, as to why someone would want to learn this dance over that dance, maybe that's where you can give them a little bit of that empathy. Maybe there's some connection that they have, or maybe if they get really, really excited about some dance that, you know, never interested you or something that like you didn't like, or for whatever reason, you know, putting their needs above yours, you know, like if it's a dance you had no interest in learning, but you know how to do, uh, you know how to wall lead or something like that, and you see people are really, really struggling, you can jump out there, you know, and sacrifice in, so to speak, some time so that they have a chance to really enjoy something. And that's where that, in my opinion, that empathy comes from, is you want them to be able to enjoy something and really learn and by placing their needs above your own, you know, you're able to help them with that. I know that's helped us guide our dance selections at this point, since we're gearing up for several events coming up in the next few months. We've already learned a vast majority of the the dances that would excite us just at face value watching their videos. What's left now are a few left that have just been sort of white whales like gyrate and finishing off work from home once and for all. Um, We just did time to ride last night. Some of these more complicated ones we've just been putting off. Uh, Some of those are for us, but then there are others that I've seen other people try to start. Like they'll, they'll announce it over the, uh, the microphone and people will get out there and they're all looking to each other like, okay, you know how it starts, right? And then they'll kind of start it and then they'll look at each other and then, you know, the DJ will be kind and give them a while, but if they don't get it after a while, they just have to transition to another song. And I feel like, especially if it's one that I could have learned in time to help and I don't, I feel like such a bum. Mm-hmm. Like I could have done more. So for some of these dances, it may not be that these were on the top of our list for our enjoyment, but we know that they'll probably get played and someone's probably going to need help with it. So we might not request these dances, but we will be ready when somebody else does and they need a little help. 
as we've mentioned in previous episodes, sometimes I think in terms of people as though they were line dancers, and I, I definitely cut people more slack when I know that they are part of our tribe, our weird, um, just slightly tilted from the rest of the world community. You know, we do these things in ballrooms all over the planet, and the rest of the folks have no idea. But we look forward to these, like, birthday and Christmas combined all year long, you know, at several points during the year. Those people, as long as I know, they at least know one line dance. I'm already, like, kin with them. Um, if somebody is not one of those people, as far as I know, and they cut me off in traffic or whatever, and I forget to, you know, imagine, if I just, if I just let them be not in the tribe and I see what they did, then I can quickly become upset and be like, oh, it's one of those people with that kind of vehicle and those kind of bumper stickers. Therefore, they deserve bad things to happen to them and then I will laugh or whatever. If I were to think of them as somebody who just made a hasty judgment call and they didn't know it was me, if they had known it was me, they would have been, you know, they would have thought twice and they would have been like, oh my goodness, I didn't see that was Chris back there. Oh, I, I hope he's not mad. You know, I, I hope he knows I didn't try to do that to like upset him or whatever. Like as any of our people would do. Our people. If I just imagine that everybody is our people, then I cut everybody slack and then I don't get mad because all it really does, the same event is going to occur one way or the other. But am I going to get mad about it? Or am I going to be forgiving about it? Because I like that person because they're part of our tribe. If I think about them here, they're saying as brothers and sisters, if I think of them as part of the line dance community, I'll give them all the slack in the world. So then sometimes I just need to imagine they are a future student of mine and I don't want to alienate them now because in three months... I don't want to have a negative impression of them as I'm trying to teach them something that they're really excited to learn. Okay. Um, one of the things that you kind of, you mentioned today at brunch that really captured the idea of like letting go of negative thoughts um, for me was the, uh, it's like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. <laughs> uh it's it's that same kind of thing, like those negative thoughts, that negative energy you're ingesting into you, regardless of what that other person may or may have not have done. It's you're holding on to that. You're making the toxic going into your body, whereas if you thought of them in the sense of whether it's, oh, there are people or what would I have done you know, like how, why would I have made that choice? I guess I should say, not what would I have done? It's why would I have made that choice? Why would I have made that mistake? Why would, what would have been going on in my life that caused me to make that side happen? Uh, that allows you to give them that. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Stuff happens. It's all right. Whatever. Um, and it, you know, it takes practice and you know, nobody's perfect and you're still going to hold on to some of these things. And Things are still going to upset you and you're still going to react to certain things. But if you're able to gear the majority of your thoughts and the majority of your actions into the, 
you know, people are human, they make mistakes, they should be, you know, given a second chance, you know, kind of thought process, and you start thinking things more positively, you will notice a difference in your overall happiness on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, something that we've discussed before, and maybe I've mentioned it on the podcast, is this idea of the line of history. And this can be phrased in many different ways. Some people call it like the Tao or nature with a capital N or the universe, the unfolding of the universe. Some people will even go as far as to say God's plan. I just like to think of it as a nice, simple line. Then again, we dance in line, so big surprise. Uh, When you think about how things happened in the past, they just happened the way they happened. You know, uh, Monday led to Tuesday led to Friday, and all of that happened exactly the way it happened on a single line. When you look out in front of you, you think of things as being like this branching set of paths. Anything's possible. You could go this way. You could go that way. The future is unknown, uncertain. And then Tuesday becomes Friday, and Friday becomes Monday, and it all falls on the line. Just like right now, you see the future as being all these branching paths, Last Tuesday, you saw the same thing. You saw a bunch of paths. Anything could have happened. What ended up happening? Everything happened on the line between Tuesday and Friday. It went no differently than it actually did. I mean, it sounds super redundant and obvious to say, but the way things happened is the only way they happened. So right now, when you look forward and see all these branching paths, Friday is looking back at you saying, no, things are going to happen the way that they do. They will only happen that way. So then you start to think about people's choices and how upsetting they are and how they could have done all these other things. Or if you were in their position, you would have done this or that. But no, you wouldn't have. Because if you were in precisely the place they were with exactly the life they had leading up to that moment, they would have had no choice but to do exactly what they did. And you might think, well, that takes away responsibility. Like, you can't just give people a free pass to do whatever they want and then say it's part of the line. Well, you know what? Consequences are part of the line, too. The judges and the police and all them, they have no choice but to do their part in response based on all the things that have happened in their lives up to that moment and society up to that moment and civilization up to that moment. So things are really just unfolding the way that they are going to. There's no way to get off of the line. Even me talking about it right now is part of it. And it's been part of it every time I've brought it up in the past. And it'll just keep happening however many more times it does until I die. And then somebody else will talk about it after that probably. When you start looking at the inevitability and just how neatly everything fits in that line of history from the past through the present moment and continuing into the future, it gives you a moment of pause. And I mean, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't for you. Maybe that's not your point on the line yet. But I know for me, I just get this kind of still moment of just universal, unemotional acceptance of just like, oh, Everything I do is just going to happen. And then other things will happen. And it just becomes like all words and things fall away. And people's motivations and maliciousness or optimism, all of it's just kind of things that are happening. And then you don't really feel the, the need to react. 
because it's all just happening. And then eventually you forget about it and you go about your day and people can make you mad and then things make you happy and so on. It all, it all continues in a nice up and down roller coaster ride. But for that moment when you remember, there's just that, huh. And you let everything go. It all just kind of goes wherever it falls on the line. That's one of the things that I think about that um, gives me that, that just not even forgiveness, but just acceptance of people, which some could describe as empathy. Also, I think uh, there are two others. Uh, you mentioned what you would do in different situations. There's a short story I'd recommend for people to read called The Egg <laughs> by Andy Weir, W-E-I-R. And in it, to give you a... I, I highly recommend actually reading the story. It's, it's neat stuff and well told. It's, it's pretty much a dialogue. It's not a lot of heavy uh, narration of you know, where they are, what they're doing. It's, it's just a dialogue between the, this, this, this entity and the person who dies. And the person who dies is talking to the entity and trying to figure out what happened. And the entity tells them, well, okay, here's what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, you died. But, you know, here's what's going to happen next. Uh, when the person comes back into the world, they're going to come in as a different person. And then they're going to die again. And then they're going to come back as another person. So everybody in existence is actually you in this short story. It's just the same person over and over and over all across different timelines and continents. And it's sort of the universe's way of learning about itself through all these different people's perspectives. And what that can apply to you lesson-wise as is a reminder that when you are hurting somebody else, you're actually hurting yourself. When somebody punches you in the face, that's some other version of you who swung at you. And when you do that same thing to somebody else, you're going to feel it later as the other person. So then you got to wonder like, oh, hmm. I don't have control over those other people right now, but I do have the version that I am right now, I think I think I'll step back for a moment and just be nice to other people because I'm really going to appreciate it later on when I'm them. Or I would have appreciated it before when I was previously them and I, I want to be sure that you know I manifest that now. Because you never know who you're gonna come back as next. You know, the person that you you know cut ahead of on the bus so that they ended up missing their ride you know, that's maybe you next time, so you end up losing your job. It's an interesting hypothetical sort of story. It's a very short story, but definitely consider that when you're interacting with people today and not just thinking as if you were, you know, do unto others as you wish they would do, but like, no, that's actually you. That person you're looking at is you. Treat them like you want to be treated if you're actually them. And then the last thing that I, I think about sometimes is, uh, I don't even know where I got this, but it was some visual of like, everybody is on the roof and the roof is on fire and there's no way off of it. We don't know how quickly it's going to come for each of us. Some of us are more susceptible to the smoke and the, the heat than others. So we're all going to die at different rates. And 
we're all just passing time up there on the roof, which is burning steadily. There's no way to put it out that we know of. And some people are having kids, and the kids are just being born on a roof that's on fire. Uh, other people are entertaining others and trying to make things nicer for others because maybe there's a kid and he's crying. He's saying, oh man, I'm so scared. I don't know what's going to happen. And somebody else is coming along saying, no, it's all right. You know what? Hey, look over here. Look at those stars over there in the distance. Aren't those pretty? You know, I wonder what, I wonder what those are. Let's, let's study those. Uh, there's a telescope up here. Let's, let's learn more about that. Oh, here's a bug. I wonder what we can learn about this bug. Or, ooh, I, I think I figured out how to juggle. Let's, let's learn how to juggle together. Everybody has choices regarding what they want to do on the roof that's on fire, about to kill everybody. And you can, it's in your control to do this, you can moan about it and complain about it and tell other people how bad it's going to be when it hits them. Or you can be a force for kindness and good and share the positive things that you encounter on the roof um, with others. And if everybody were doing that, then you might not even notice the roof's on fire. And if you're wondering, why fire? Why is this, why is this analogy even happening right now? The idea is that we're all going to die. Like, it's going to happen. Nobody really likes to talk about it, unless like you're a college philosophy major, like I was once upon a time. Um, mostly you try to avoid the thought and you try to do your life like it's you know massively important and that'll be that way forever but no we are all going to pass at some point so while this roof is on fire and while we're all inevitably heading toward that end maybe we could be fun and and uh, wear sparkly things and dance and celebrate the time that we have that's one of the things that Megan and I do like pretty much Every, every day, every if yeah, if not every day, then like every other day. <laughs> uh, certainly once a weekend, if not three times a weekend, because I mean, the more we can fill our lives with this, the better. Pretty much. Yeah. Anyway, back to your regularly scheduled article. <clears throat> Interact with people face to face. According to studies that have been tracking this since 1979, college students are 40 percent less empathetic than their counterparts 30 years ago. Why the decline? I would argue that it could be traced to the fact that we're interacting less face-to-face -face and more as disembodied selves online. Seeing each other's facial expressions in person is what literally triggers empathy in our brains. In the absence of these cues, we're more likely to impute nefarious motives to others and feel an unchecked anger towards them. So get out from behind your computer screen more often and interact with people in the real world. As you do so, the general feeling that people are Freaking terrible that can come from spending time online will often melt into folks ain't so bad after all. That's an easy one for dancers because we keep showing up at these events. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, for dancers, it definitely helps uh, that uh, you need multiple people on the dance floor for it to be a line. Um, <laughs> as regards to the face to face, I've certainly noticed a difference kind of in general of how people feel it, that it's more acceptable, that it's okay, that the un, being anonymous, so to say, online and being protected by a screen and a keyboard gives you the ability to just voice your opinion or 
voice a rude comment or uh, tear down somebody else for whatever reason that you wouldn't necessarily have the same inclination to do so in person. If, you know, like if you're standing right next to the person that you're making fun of and they can hear you and they show that you're hurt, in theory, you're going to see that and that is a negative reward to whatever action you're doing. So you're less likely to do it in the future versus if you're online and you don't see that, then it's as if there's no consequence for your uh, typing, lack of a better term. That is one thing that I can genuinely say I haven't seen in the line dance community at these events. Um, A lot of people are so insanely supportive that it just it, it's such a benefit and so fulfilling that we're so blessed with so many amazing people and I mean just simple things of people saying thank you for letting me be a part of this event thank you so and so for all your hard work at this event um, I know that I was taken very much by surprise and very moved. And even now it still has that same overwhelming sense of um, emotion was when uh, Michael acknowledged all of us kids or young bloods at Wild Wild West and just kind of took that moment and, you know, was just kind of, a positive thing for all of us to see and to be kind of acknowledged in front of everybody else. Uh, I know that that really warmed my heart and I won't forget that for a very, very long time. And that wouldn't have happened had I not been there in person. Mm-hmm. So, Also, I would recommend don't take too much stock in votes that your dance receives on, say, Copper Knob. Because I have seen some of my favorite dances by amazing human beings get two and a half stars. Don't worry about it. I don't think they worry too much about it. By showing up in person and seeing who's doing your dance and when they come up and say like, oh man, that was so much fun. Like, thanks for putting that together. Like, you won't worry about votes. Just don't look. Read more fiction. Studies show that reading fictional literature exercises the mental muscles that strengthen empathy. Let me reread that. Studies show that reading fictional literature exercises the mental muscles that strengthen empathy. If you're looking for ideas on books to read, check out our men's fiction list. Interesting. I'll just move on from that one. Really? Imagine. I mean, you can. If you, I don't read a lot of fiction uh, other than on like the internet. But uh, I know you're a, a big reader. What do you think about this? Oh, I love it. I love reading. It's one of my favorite things to do because you can put yourself in characters' positions. You can see what particular individuals do and get different sides, especially when you see, like, what someone says versus what they're thinking versus, you know, all that fun stuff, real events, fake events, however. I mean, I love reading nonfiction and fiction. I think it helps just in general because you just see different sides of things. 
All right, I'll buy it. Imagine a different story about the people who annoy you. When you cut off someone while driving, you think to yourself, I hate to have done that, but if I don't get to this interview on time, I won't get the job. But when someone else cuts you off, you think, what a complete a-hole. We chalk our own misbehaviors up to circumstances, but blame the foibles of others on some inherent character flaw. Try offering the same compassion you give yourself to others by imagining possible reasons for why someone else might have done something rude or annoying. In my opinion, the best explanation of this exercise and how transformative it can be was given by author David Foster Wallace in a commencement address. We've posted that excerpt in conjunction with this post and strongly encourage you to take time to read it. I'm pretty sure I went over that a couple times now. Sounds good to me. Be (laughs) curious about people. You can't get inside another person's shoes unless you really get to know them. Ask people clarifying questions so you can figure out where they're coming from and understand what makes them tick. You can truly learn something about life and the human condition from every single person you meet. Okay, so I have to smile on this one because it's a little side story. Um, It just makes me think of Maylene and how I literally got inside her shoe. She let me try her shoes on. (laughs) <laughs> to see what size I need. Um, but I had I would not have been able to do that had I uh, not even said hello to her in the first place. Or uh, I think you technically introduced us. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, it's certainly, it's certainly true. By getting to know someone, you can kind of... You form that bond, so you're allowed to think of reasons and understandings as to maybe why they would have made choices or done actions, and so you can justify it a little bit more in your head as to an explanation. Um, whether you agree with the choice or not is a totally different story, but I know there's there's several people that I am now personal friends with over the last year that I was Facebook friends with originally. Um, and some of their posts, I, I would always have my own opinion about in a very, I would say almost confrontational way. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily put everything out there, but I, I would be annoyed by their post or be upset by their post. Whereas now that I know them, I understand what they're trying to say, whether it comes across like that or not, or whether I agree with it or I comment on it, it's a totally different story. But I at least afford them the, oh, okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. They, they felt this for whatever reason, so they felt like they needed to defend their opinion. or You know, you just kind of afford them that more um, generous thinking as opposed to being like, oh, there they go again. All they ever do is this, you know, and start you yourself internalizing that. I'm so glad that we have the podcast because I am curious about people in the line dance community and it gives me an excuse to ask them all the questions that I want to ask them about their story and how they do what they do. Yeah. The more you develop your empathy, the more you realize that everybody has hard stuff in their life that they're grappling with. And the more you'll want to become an oasis for other people, someone who lightens their burden by making them feel understood, safe, and rejuvenated, even in the briefest of interactions. Conveying warmth to others. There's a little caption here for the photo, or illustration. When you emanate warmth, people see you as being approachable, caring, and empathetic. When they're around you, they feel comfortable, understood, and taken care of. But a man who has warmth but not power will seem desperate and too eager to please. So if warmth is hard to fake and must be developed from within, what role do outward behaviors play? 
First, it's possible to have a good heart but be terrible at conveying this kindness to others. You may not even be aware that you're coming off as aloof to others since you think of yourself as a good dude. It's important to not only have inner warmth but be, to be able to communicate this warmth to those around you. Second, acting warm outwardly enhances how warm you feel inwardly. It's a virtuous cycle. You act warmly towards others so you feel warm inside, which makes you act more warmly and so on. In fact, acting warmly will develop your inner warmth more quickly and effectively than thinking your way to empathy ever will. Don't wait until you feel like an empathetic person before you start acting like it. By acting, you become. Work on both your behavior and mindset at the same time. They go hand in hand. If you're worried about coming off as fake by acting warmly before you feel it inside, don't be. As long as you at least have a good motive for your interactions, you'll be fine. The following behaviors, unless you do them awkwardly or exaggeratedly, are very easy to pull off quite naturally. They're small ways to simply put your best foot forward with people. And if they do come off as stilted the very first time you try them, well, don't worry about that either. You've got to start somewhere. Once you kick off the virtual charismatic warmth cycle, it's just a matter of time before it registers as wholly genuine. Think of yourself as the host. When you have people over to your house, what do you do? Hopefully you look for ways to make them feel comfortable in your home. Bring the same mentality to all your interactions. When you think of yourself as the host in every situation, figuring out what to do to put others at ease will come more naturally. In our case, that's actually literal. We are the host for a few different line dance functions in this area. And I like what they said about being an oasis of uh, making people feel comfortable and safe and welcomed, because that is something that we actively try to do and discuss ways to do it even better from um, Thursday to Thursday or Friday to Friday or Monday and uh, Wednesday to Monday and Wednesday. Yeah. We forgot Saturday and Sunday. Do we do Saturdays and Sundays? What do we do then? I don't know. Oh. Well, I was thinking about <laughs> Sonoma State Line Dance Club on Monday, Wednesday, Twin Oaks and Hot Monk on Thursdays and Trade Winds on Fridays. Yeah, but like the Saturday and Sundays in theory can be like the other events we attend. But no. <laughs> Um, to go off of the think of yourself as a host, it certainly is true. Um, I had even mentioned something about the fact that uh, when I put on my name badge that we got from Luann, I feel like it encourages me to be more welcoming and more outgoing and talk to people and just be conscious about my efforts of you know being nice and warm to people. Uh, because I feel like, well, I mean, a name tag's a name tag, but when it says the, you know, Orange County Dance Connection on it, I feel like I'm representing more than just myself. And although as a whole, in general, I feel like I'm representing line dance, you know, when I'm at any event that has line dancing, uh, when I have that name badge on, I have real faces that I immediately think of. And here I am representing them. And so I want to make sure people are really having a good time and enjoying themselves. And like I've said before, I really do get a personal pride and enjoyment out of making sure people feel welcomed and feel like they're seen and that their presence made a positive difference and that I'm glad they came out and I want them to come out again. And sometimes that's as simple as just saying, hi, how's it going? How's the night going? Sometimes that's, you know, when you've built up a 
more natural friendship for some people that's you know when they walk through the door rushing over and giving them a hug or you know if you're lucky enough to have some type of social media contact or you know their phone number just you know messaging them saying thinking of you missing you um a common one is i miss your face for me i i definitely send a lot of i miss your faces and i can't wait to dance with you again um you know and just just so that people know that you know like they're thought of and if you're a host it's kind of the same thing you would do at you know when you're hosting an event is making sure people are enjoying themselves because the last thing you want is someone to have a bad time at your house mm-hmm. lead with a sincere compliment nothing can strengthen a good relationship or melt the ice in a bad one like a sincere compliment sadly we have a tendency to be pretty stingy with our kindly words to learn how and why to give an effective compliment, check out the post we wrote last year on the subject. It's not a bad idea to brush up on how to best accept a compliment, too. If you wear something sparkly, I'm going to like it. And I'm probably going to tell you. <laughs> I was just going to say, you are amazing at... I mean, I don't know how many times we'll be walking through the airport or just walking down the street or you'll see something, whether it's earrings or a shirt or a bag or nails or something, and you'll be like, oh my gosh, I love this. It looks awesome. Or I like how coordinated you are today. And it just changes people's, like, their lost in thought look or their even their bad day potentially to such a positive like oh thank you and it's just it's so amazing to see and I love it every time you do it thank you (laughs) put more warmth in your voice our voice conveys emotion not only through the words we speak but the tone and pitch we use we communicate anger with a loud harsh tone and we communicate kindness and warmth with a softer richer tone An easy way to imbue warmth into your voice is to simply smile when you speak. Instantaneous warmth. This tip is especially useful for when you're talking to someone on the phone. Without body language and facial expressions at your disposal, your voice is your only tool to communicate warmth. Yeah, I I know I certainly, um, because my job deals a lot with the phone too. When I'm on the phone, I, I try and make that extra effort as well as like when I have to fax something, I make sure to say thank you on the fax. Um, just so that, like, you know, there's that extra, just that moment of, please, as soon as you get this, I need to hear a response. Thank you so much for your time. You know, something like that. As well as I know it's really hard when you're doing like a text message or something like that. And that's where once you get to know somebody's text message language, you can kind of understand when they're happy or sad. But I try and use certain emojis to, you know, help with that along. And I make sure to use those in the proper spots and not being like sarcastic. Like when I'm not happy, I'm not going to send you a happy face kind of situation. Yeah, that's something that my mom has always done when I've seen her on the phone with customer service people is you really can hear a smile in someone's voice and asking the person's name and being sure to thank them by name at the end of the call I'm sure makes them feel special. I've heard it when I've when I've done the same you know, as a an older grownish uppish person. Grownish uppish. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it it does seem to make them feel like they really did help. 
And of course, if they did help, they should be recognized for that. If possible, I try to ask you know if there's a way I can fill out a survey on on over the phone or let their supervisor know that they did a great job because if they did solve my problem and they they were quick and, and cheerful about it, I want to let them know like that's great. Like I I, I hope you're doing. Um, this sort of thing all throughout the company. I hope everybody's following the example that you're setting by doing what you're doing. Mirror their body language. Research has shown that by simply mirroring a person's body language and manner of speaking, they'll trust you and find you more attractive. Psychologists speculate that mirroring creates limbic resonance between two individuals, making them more empathetic to one another. The key to mirroring body language is to not make it too obvious. Don't match your conversation partner tick for tick, but if they speak softly, bring your own voice down a notch. If they lean back in their chair, lean back just a bit too. Another tactic to make mirroring look less obvious is to let a few seconds lapse before you move into a mirrored position. Author Olivia Fox-Caban notes in The Charisma Myth that there are instances when mirroring body language can have the opposite effect. The most obvious one is when the person is angry. Mirroring an angry person's angry body language and tone of voice will just make them angrier. When you're dealing with an angry or defensive person, Caban suggests using a bit of psychological jujitsu to get the person in a state where they'll be more receptive to your warmth-inducing techniques. Rather than mirroring, try breaking him out of his posture by handing him something, a piece of paper or a pen, whatever works. And then, as soon as he's in a new position, distract him by giving him new information or changing the subject while you mirror his posture to reestablish rapport. That's the author. Manipulative? I don't think so. You're just using solid social skills to get someone in a better frame of mind. Good. In a lesson, if people are looking tense, maybe, I don't know, I feel like I've seen this done by someone. I don't know who. Maybe I'm inventing this in my head. Maybe it was Guyton. He's unusual. But I think that... uh, I may have seen... Oh, you know, I've definitely seen in elementary school classrooms. Well, they'll say, like, clap once, clap twice. Or, like, they'll just have you do something participatory that everybody's doing with their body that's silly and breaks whatever was going on. Because people are stressing over not getting that three-quarter turn into the cross point, and they can't think of anything else but that, and their frustration just builds and builds and builds. They know they can stand with legs shoulder-width apart and clap once. That's easy. And then it makes them feel silly, like, okay, gosh, guys, we're just dancing. What am I doing? Why am I stressing out? Yeah, I guess that would be along the lines of the say yes, say maybe, say wows. (laughs) Um, One of the things I was thinking of uh, with the last one uh, was, oh, the mirroring of the body language. Uh, One of the things I was wondering is if maybe that's why after people who hang out for a while together start actually having similar body language or similar like traits or words that they use to explain something. I wonder if that's part of it. But the, the mirroring the body language, I can see that if someone, you know, like is comfortable and relaxed, you don't want to appear stiff and rigid Um, I do know that when dealing with someone who's aggressive or angry or upset, I try and be as open and as um, relaxed as possible and almost to the point where 
I'm trying not to impede on their space. So I'm almost almost giving them more space than they need just so that they have that moment to like breathe. And it tends to help. Another a trick that I was, you know, is look at me, make eye contact if like something happens. It's as soon as like they can register and snap out and make eye contact with you, you have that moment to talk to them and be like, it's okay, I'm here, you're safe, whatever words you need to use to get them to calm down. Um, but if going back to like saying um, at a line dance event, if someone is looking at, you know, like if you're just looking across the ballroom and you see someone who's kind of like fidgeting, looking around, like they don't look like they're really, really comfortable. If you go over and calmly and warmly ask, hey, can I sit here? You know, like, where are you from? And you know, like you ask very um, open questions, but you're also giving them space in the sense of like, if you're not necessarily in their space, all stiff and rigid, but you're open and you're calm. Um, you don't have your arms crossed or even your legs crossed or anything like that. You're pointed towards them. Um, it can help them relax and go into a more natural position too. This leads directly into the next two that I'm going to read back to back. <clears throat> relax your posture. While an erect posture creates the perception of power and confidence, it can also make you seem stiff, cold, and haughty in certain situations. When you're trying to create warmth, relax your posture a bit. Instead of throwing your shoulders back and sticking your chest out, let your shoulders, back, and chest assume a natural, comfortable position. The goal is to look like an affable and approachable everyday Joe instead of a regal king. Open up your body. Besides relaxing your posture, using open body language will also help you communicate warmth to others. Instead of crossing your arms across your body, keep them by your side. Instead of crossing your legs, leave them open. Instead of having a desk or podium between you and the other person, remove barriers. You get the idea. Also, a little trick that I've done with myself that's sneaky, and maybe I've suggested it to others, I'm not sure, is if I'm upset and I feel things clenching, like my abs and my fists, what if the, whatever things are getting mad, my face is getting clenched, then sometimes I'll tell myself, okay... Be mad, you know, stay angry, yeah, you have the thing, and it's mad it's all oh, so upsetting that's happening, but do it, do it and and don't don't make a fist, oh, I'm so mad i'm gonna, but i'm gonna, not gonna make I'm not gonna make my abs clench either, I'm just gonna be like a jellyfish, so I, my whole body below the neck is like a jellyfish, I'm like, oh, but I'm still mad, this thing I'm mad at is so serious, oh, but when I say that, my face is still really tense, oh I'm so mad. I'm so mad, this thing is so infuriating. So then nothing is clenched anymore, and I feel ridiculous. You're allowed to be mad, and you're allowed to have the thoughts that you're having, but just do it without allowing your muscles to contract, and it doesn't take away from how you feel or how the other person wronged you, but it can get your body to maybe feel a different emotion trickle in. If only y'all could have seen what just happened. <laughs> Next up, give them your kind eyes. Kate often describes people as having kind eyes. It's a gaze that some people give that makes others feel warm, accepted, and understood. I had a church leader when I was in high school who had kind eyes, and yet the man was a beast. Despite being in his 50s, he could bench 350 pounds and look like he could rip your head off. But he had the kindest eyes. 
Even when you felt like the world was falling down around you, he'd look at you and you'd instantly feel like everything was going to be okay. Eyes are the window to your soul, and kind eyes are rooted in the goodness of your heart. But there is also a way to enhance the kindness of your eyes to make sure your inner warmth is shining through. You do it by switching to a softer focus. Instead of squinting and staring a person down like you're about to punch them, relax your face and open up your focus. If your face feels relaxed around your eyes, you likely have achieved kind eyes. I'm going to put this one back to back with smile, damn it. (laughs) Smiling is an easy way to not only convey warmth to others, but also feel warm and fuzzy yourself, which helps you in conveying warmth. The charismatic cycle. Studies show that smiling, even when you don't actually feel happy, will instantly make you feel happier. It's one of those instances when psychology follows physiology. So to help put yourself in a warmth mindset, go ahead and grin. Besides making you feel good, your smile makes you more attractive and approachable to others. Research has shown that people who smile more are rated as more attractive than those who don't. Psychologists and anthropologists also speculate that smiling is a way for us to signify to others that we have good intentions. Also, as mentioned above, smiling can help you sound warmer. Studies have shown that individuals can discern who is smiling while speaking just by listening to the sound of their voice. Yeah, I certainly know that that kind of stuff makes a difference. Um, We've talked numerous times about the idea of just smiling even when you're sitting out of a dance across the ballroom just so that people who are looking around, if they see your smile, they feel good and they they know that what they're doing is still safe. Okie dokie. Looks like we have about 10 points left and then a conclusion. Anticipate needs. Giving someone something they might need without them having to ask shows that you're thinking about them. I put together this graph for you. I thought it might be helpful for your presentation tomorrow. I knew you'd be up all night studying, so I brought you this pack of five-hour energy. It's getting cold out here. Would you like to wear my jacket? Or hoodie? (laughs) Offer something warm to drink. Warm drinks give people warm feelings. Seriously, take advantage of this psychological quirk by offering people coffee or a mug of hot chocolate to generate warmth towards you. This may explain why coffee shops are a great place for first dates and business meetings. Give a good handshake. Touch is one of the best ways we can generate warmth in another person. You want to respect people's personal space, though, and not touch them a ton right off the bat. The rules are a little different when you're trying to flirt, but that's another (laughs) post. This only really gives you the handshake as a chance to make skin-to-skin contact, so make it a good one. To give your handshake an extra boost of warmth, extend your index finger into the inside of the person's wrist as you clasp hands. Some communication experts believe that by touching someone's pulse point as you shake hands, they will feel more connected to you. Hmm. Let's do two more before we review these five. Give people a chance to let you know the effort they put into something. Everyone's got a mini martyr inside. We want people to acknowledge the trouble we went through to do something, but it isn't polite to detail it. So, invite someone to tell you by asking questions that let them talk about it. For example, if someone has flown in to see you, ask things like, Did you have to wake up really early to catch the flight? Was there a lot of turbulence? Any delays? Make them feel comfortable. People are eternally grateful for the person who saves them from standing awkwardly alone. One of the best ways to show warmth is to introduce people to those you are with and invite them into the conversation. Also, be able to carry the burden of a conversation in any situation by becoming a master of small talk. 
People love having someone to, over to a gathering who they know will keep the conversation going. So these five, before we get to the other five, were anticipate needs, offer something warm to drink, give a good handshake, give people a chance to let you know the effort they put into something, and make them feel comfortable. Well, obviously anticipate needs is, is a big one that we've all done for a lot of different reasons when it comes to the dance event. So that's pretty good. For instance, you know, like getting people water or something like that. I know you and I are really, really good about, for instance, like you said, hoodie, you offer me your hoodie all the time. I know what the last couple times, um, I've grabbed myself, um, Yerba Mate, I've grabbed you one too because they were on deal and it was like, here, I know we're going to have a long day tomorrow. So here, here's this. Um, Offering something warm drink. You offer me coffee, I'm your friend, period. <laughs> Especially in the morning. <laughs> Especially in the morning. Um, a good handshake, always a good thing. Um, I'm a hugger. That's just me. Yes. He, I'm definitely a hugger, but I do appreciate a really good handshake. And I know you comment a lot about people who have good handshakes. Um, and when you you comment about that, I also see them really smile. Like, they appreciate Like, that was a compliment. Um, and so I, I've, I've seen that be a nice easy way into it uh giving getting like a conversation going or anything like that um always tell people you know that they're appreciated and giving them the opportunity to feel like they have a place to tell you something um such as like when they had done the did you have you know they flown in did you have to wake up really early that's so easy at so many different dance events because so many of us fly in from somewhere <laughs> Um, and so like, that's definitely, you know, something that I know I, driving just simply from your house to my house is, is a pain in the butt. And so, um, you know, I try and make sure that anytime you've come to see me at my house or whatever, come pick me up, you know, like, I thank you because I understand that the drive is annoying and I know that you've done the same for me. As for making people feel comfortable, we've t said this a hundred times, talk to people, say hi to them. Uh, one of the great things that I love is if I meet someone prior to you of being introduced to them um, and I find out like their name, I'll be like, hey, Chris, come here for a second. Chris, this is, you know, Joe. Joe, this is Chris. Uh, Joe was just telling me about this new amazing XYZ and then that brings you into the conversation. It gives them another chance to retell the story because let's be honest we love retelling stories we really enjoy it also gives you an opportunity to ask questions and get the ball rolling so and so forth mm -hmm. next five remember dates anniversaries and details it's amazing how far simply remembering someone's birthday will go with people and i don't mean simply adding to the herd of well wishes on someone's <laughs> facebook wall send a card or even an email take it as a chance not only to wish them happy birthday but to say hello and ask how they are Ditto for other anniversaries and milestones. Another easy way to convey warmth is by remembering the details, starting with a person's name and their kids' names as well. How is little Gus? Has he started preschool yet? Give thoughtful gifts. No, gift cards don't count. Doesn't have to be big stuff, just things that show you pay attention to them. When people mention things they like or are interested in, file these ideas away in your head or in Evernote. They'll be delighted six months later when you say, I know you mentioned a while back that you collect vintage men's magazines. I saw a box full of them when I was at a garage sale and I picked it up for you. Take care of things. 
If someone has a problem and you can take care of it for them, do so. If they have a question but you don't know the answer, say, I don't know, but I'll find it out for you. If they have a problem you can assist with yourself, lend a hand. I know you've been having problems with the moles in your yard. I'll come over and set one of my traps and see if we can catch them. Remember, conveying warmth isn't about being a pushover, but if you have both the time and expertise to take care of something for a friend, do what you can to take at least one thing off his mind. Ask for help. Ironically, it isn't just helping others that builds warmth, but getting help yourself. When Ben Franklin was a state legislator in Pennsylvania, there was a rival legislator that had badmouthed Franklin in a speech. Franklin understood that if he was to get anything done during his term, he'd have to work with this guy. To get in this grumpy gentleman's good graces, Franklin did something really counterintuitive. He asked his rival for a favor. Franklin recounts what happened in his autobiography. Having heard that he had in his library a certain very scarce and curious book, I wrote a note to him, expressing my desire of perusing that book, and requesting he would do me the favor of lending it to me for a few days. He sent it immediately, and I returned it in about a week with another note, expressing strongly my sense of the favor. When we next met in the house, he spoke to me, which he had never done before, and with great civility, and he ever after manifested a readiness to serve me on all occasions, so that we became great friends, and our friendship continued to his death. From this experience, Franklin coined the maxim, He that has once done you a kindness will be more ready to do you another than he whom you yourself have obliged. Franklin had unwittingly discovered the psychological power of cognitive dissonance to change people's minds. Our brains don't like the disagreement between our actions and beliefs. If we do a favor for somebody we don't particularly like, it creates dissonance in our brain. To counteract that, our brain shifts our attitude towards the person we dislike. Hmm, I did something nice for this guy. I guess I do like him. If you want folks to have warm feelings towards you, use the Ben Franklin effect. Ask for a small favor and reap charismatic warmth. Be liberal with the thank you note. It's possible to convey warmth even when you're not around someone, and sending a thank you note is one of the best ways to do that. There's never a bad time to write a thank you note. They tell people you noticed and took the time to acknowledge something worthy they did or are. Write them by hand and follow this guide. Click Warmth in an Envelope. And then right after that, there is a short conclusion. Let's just go over these five very quickly. So these five, again, were remember dates, anniversaries, and details, give thoughtful gifts, take care of things, ask for help, and be liberal with the thank you note. So just a quick moment. Obviously, remembering faces and names and dates and anniversaries is a big thing. Um, people feel good when you remember something specifically about them. It makes them feel like they're just not another cog in the wheel. Um, as for giving thoughtful gifts, um, and it does say no gift cards. However, I will always accept a Starbucks gift card. Always. That's very thoughtful. I love it. I'm addicted. Uh, taking care of things. Obviously, if you can help someone with something, not only does it help them, but it helps you because you're giving yourself... To, and you're giving time. Um, and you can be the change you want to see in the world. You can be the change you want to see. You can make the event you want to attend. <laughs> um, asking for help. I love giving people the opportunity to teach me something. Because I know how I felt when I was given that opportunity. Or in continuously given that opportunity. And it makes me feel good. And it makes me feel important and valued. And 
again, as though I have something to give. And so if I can ask somebody to explain something to me or teach me something or help me with something, uh, I know that they tend to feel a little bit more included in on what's going on, especially if normally speaking, you're seen as the more authoritative individual on something. Um, For instance, like a perfect example, when you would be the only one teaching line dancing and I would be your back row assistant, uh, the one or two times that you asked me to help you with something, it was huge for me because of that fact that now it's like, oh, well, normally he's the one who's teaching and now I have an opportunity. That's kind of cool. So that's certainly something that I've enjoyed. Yeah, I think some people show up to dance events whether or not they actually like dance or have any kind of um, all of our pre-existing ability to do lefts and rights and turns and things like that. Sometimes they just show up because they want to go somewhere where it matters that they showed up. They don't have other places to do that. They're not part of a church. They're not part of any other clubs. But they know that if they go to this place, they can get into the group photo. They can help uh, be somebody's side or back wall and that is their opportunity for the week to have made a difference. All right. We are going slightly over time, but here's the thank you note bit. Uh, I love cards. I love giving cards because it tells the person that you thought of them. It gives you the opportunity to really write something personal on the inside and really let them know that you're you appreciate them. I know Facebook is a huge thing that people do after dance events and they post all their thank yous and their gratitudes and I, I know that it's nice to see those. It's really positive and enjoyable for me to read all of them. Charisma series conclusion. We hope you enjoyed this series on how to develop personal charisma. Charisma isn't something you're born with. It's something you work to cultivate. And we hope we have provided you with the tools to do so. You'll need to practice the recommended behaviors until they become natural. As you do so, you will learn how to balance and mix the three elements to produce the most magnetic effect possible. Charisma is a neutral trait. It can be used for either good or ill. Use yours both for enjoyment, for drawing people to you when you enter a party and for making friends, and for worthy endeavors as well, like getting people to sign on to fight in a worthy cause. Both professionally and socially, charisma can open many doors for you that might have been otherwise closed. If there's one thing to take away from this series, it's the importance of the act-to-become principle. Our modern culture is often obsessed with the idea of authenticity, even though when pressed they're probably not sure what it means. And the idea of acting in a way you might not really be feeling is criticized as fake or manipulative. But the best way to change your feelings is to first change your behavior, and this is even true for manhood. I came across a great quote from W.H. Auden on this subject just last week. Human beings are by nature actors who cannot become something until first they have pretended to be it. They are therefore not to be divided into the hypocritical and the sincere, but into the sane, who know they are acting, and the mad, who do not. Men who intentionally cultivate their charisma are not fake nor manipulative, just realistic. Doing whatever comes naturally is given a lot of lip service these days, but it won't actually get you far in life. Always seeking to intentionally put your best foot forward will.
Tomorrow we'll offer a little addendum to this series, providing a case study from the novel Tender as the Night, in which charisma looks like when all its elements are masterfully combined. So stay tuned for that, and we'll revisit some different aspects of charisma in the future. Until then, stay magnetic. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in once again to Line Dance Podcast on Move Radio with Christopher Gonzalez and Megan Barsulia. This article and this series uh, were titled, respectively, The Three Elements of Charisma, Warmth, and The Three Elements of Charisma, Presence, Power, and Warmth. Written by Brett and Kate McKay for The Art of Manliness. Until next time, Megan and I are very excited to see See you on on the the dance dance floor. floor.